you've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. Chat with Traders is sponsored by Trade the Pool. Are concerns about limited buying power, insufficient capital, or fear of losing your own money preventing you from advancing your trading capabilities? Trade the Pool is an online stock trading prop firm that offers funding for stock traders. Demonstrate your skills, trade their capital, and keep your profits. You can engage in intraday trading and now swing trading on Trade the Pool with any U.S. stock or ETF. The procedure is straightforward. Pay an evaluation fee, successfully complete the evaluation, and get funded. Visit tradethepool.com forward slash chat to learn more. Markets, speculation, and risk. This is the Chat with Traders podcast. Hey traders, how's it going? Welcome back. It's Tessa here, bringing you episode 241, which is unlike any other. Because today, Aaron and I have a very raw, fascinating, and at times colorful conversation with self-proclaimed Merc Jerk trading vet, Jimmy Jude. As we rewind to the early 90s, Jimmy relives the rough and tumble of CME's Euro-dollar trading pit. He shares with us about the power struggles, immense risk-taking, and wisdoms gained from his peers. Jimmy also recounts some of the more notable and chaotic events he's witnessed, such as being front row to an $8 billion blow-up in natural gas when trading on the NYMEX floor. Then to finish, I asked Jimmy a few things about his way of trading nowadays, trading the fixed curve structures and e-mini futures. Now, just a quick note before we get into it. If you're offended by a frequent use of the F-bomb or have kids in the car, then you're best to sit this one out. Otherwise, strap yourself in. Here's the one and only Jimmy Jude. You know, from speaking with you the other day, it seems that like everywhere you go, chaos is sure to follow. <laughs> and Absolutely. you did say that you've been dubbed the Forrest Gump of trading, which I found hilarious. Um, right. So let's go through some of those more chaotic moments from your past. And I guess just starting right from the get-go, it began when you entered the floor in 1993. I believe you were a clerk for First Continental Trading. So who was First Continental? And First Continental Continental trading was like this, like a uh, quintessential um, Chicago prop for floor trading prop firm. Um, there was probably back then there was probably like ten or fifteen of them that like were really big and competed against each other, and most of them were like controlled by single wealthy fellas that either had made it big in the pit or had made it big in the markets in some fashion, you know. So Roger Carlson was the the owner of First Continental Trading, and that's where I started. Um, 
I mean, I really started in this business almost by accident. It was like, you know, I kind of like came into it ass backwards simply because I was like, you know, in the early 90s, the recession was so brutal. And and it was like a real recession, not like this recession. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> there, people like lost jobs and it was hard to get a job. You know, I got out of college and you couldn't get a job anywhere. So, um you know, I was doing like horrendous menial labor, like really embarrassing shit, you know, for a college graduate. And 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 my roommate called me, um, uh, an old college roommate called me that had gone on the floor in Chicago and was like, dude, you got to get out here. You got to see this. Like you got to, this is, this is perfect for you. So, you know, I went out there and I got in and I immediately, he got me a clerking job or a runner job, you know, at First Continental. I started like at the bottom. But I immediately, as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is this is for me. This is perfect." You know, and 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 I don't know, like I don't know what like quality, like personally, like you know, most of the traders that I know and most of the people that I've hung out on the floor, they all have like a sort a, a certain quality of like mental illness about them, like, <laughs> and it doesn't have to be like horrible mental illness, but like you know, like. Like you would like I used to walk by a guy working in a cubicle and be like, holy fuck, I can't even imagine being that human. You know, like what is he doing in that cubicle all day long? You know, like I need to be doing like 85 different things at once in order for my active mind not to like freak out. And and trading in the floor and markets and stuff was like perfect for me. It was like immediately I knew I was like, oh God, you know all those like horrendous thoughts like went away because I was, it, you're just so busy, you know? And, 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 and everyone I met at like first continental and everyone I met on the floor were, were, were very like-minded like that, you know, like mo most traders are like that, right? They, they, you know, you, you need to be like, you can't just be looking at a chart. You have to be looking at a chart. You have to be listening to this. You have to be like, you know, you have to be doing like 85 things in order for your brain to like, calculate everything you yeah. know you said the name roger carlson uh the founder of the firm yeah i heard you talking just very briefly about him on uh anthony crudeli's podcast and yeah. i think you said that he was like a lunatic with risk he just really wanted you to hit the gas yeah i would love to hear a bit more about that like do you have an example that was the amazing thing about like where I ended up. So like, you know, I, 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 I get plopped into first continental, not knowing anything about markets, not knowing, you know, anything about anything. And here's this like owner of this company that like the guy's a complete maverick. He doesn't give a shit whether you came from MIT. He doesn't give a shit. You know, he, 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 he knew like the complexion of traders, um, you know, it wasn't they, they didn't necessarily come from Ivy League schools at that point, you know, um, and he was willing to like take shots on guys and he let you, I mean, he let you go balls to the wall, this guy. Like it was, there was no risk that he wasn't completely comfortable with. And every one of his traders traded big and were encouraged to trade big. Like if you weren't there to trade really big, he didn't even want to know you. He, you know, it was like fuck off. You know, so like if he saw something in you that he knew, you, like you were, you know, you could handle that type of shit. You knew, so you, you knew like at least you had a shot. 
did that come natural for you to trade really big? Um, and, and when you say trading really big, are these like calculated risks or is this almost like borderline relentless? Uh, sorry, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, reckless. <laughs> is this like no, borderline no, reckless risk taking? No, it wasn't rec- he wasn't looking for reckless risk taking. He was looking for guys, you know, that developed themselves into traders and then had the balls to to, to hit the gas, you okay. know. He didn't have patience for the guys that were like, you know, I've developed this and, you know, like there there's a lot of guys out there that are super consistent but they don't make shit, you know, and they because they don't have like they don't I you know, like and 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 as I don't know, as archaic as it sounds, they just don't have like the guts or the balls to do it, you know? So he was always looking for those guys that had like those intang- intangible qualities. And was that natural for you? It was in the beginning. Yeah, it was. Like I didn't, I I, I could, tr- I was, when I was, you know, 24 years old, 25, I was trading absurd size in the euro dollar option pit. And I didn't even really understand like what, I, you know, like it was just, because I, I started trading huge, I didn't like nothing. I, you know, I, I was desensitized by the numbers like immediately. So it really didn't matter to me. You know, I, I, yeah, I would do a trade and it would immediately be a $75,000 loser and blow, you know, and my boss would turn to me and like, be like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? You just cost us 75 grand, you know, like, what the fuck? You, you know, you don't even, you don't even own a car and you're costing us that kind of money. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, it, like it was, a, it was just an interesting moment in time, you know, like, and, it, and, and he was right because like, right before, like before I was trading on the floor, I was like a penniless hippie living in, in in Boulder, Colorado as a ski bum, you know? So like, like these numbers were like jarring to me in in a way, but in another way, I was just playing this like big giant math game that like who could get the highest score type of thing when I was on the floor in the beginning. So how, how would you uh, define, I mean, trading the floor attracts a certain type of, you know, personality or mindset and, how would you uh, define that type of mindset? Well, you definitely had to, you had to be tough, you know, like you, you, you have to, you know, be beyond tough. Um, and they, and they weed out people, you know, cause you're going to have to clerk for two years before you go into the pit. And these guys just throw the worst amount of shit on your head, you know? And, and you know, what's funny is like a lot of traders that I see on like Twitter and stuff. Now, these guys have all gotten so soft, you know, they're like any type of like issue in their life or any type of issue in trading or the markets, they're, they're crying, you know, when back in, you know, the old school days, like there was no crying, like you, you clerked and these guys shit on you and you clerked for pennies. And if you could, and, 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 you you needed to take that like absolute constant ridicule and ball busting just to just to be able to be considered to make it to a trader in the pit because they knew like listen if you can't take that you're not going to be able to take this next round of shit and they were right because the, you know in reality the the pressure to make money is 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 like the greatest pressure of them all, you know, like you could think of like, oh, it's a pressure. I got pre- my boss is giving me this pressure. My, you know, uh, you know, like you can, you can all these little things like, uh, yeah, they're terrible and everything to deal with. But like when they put you in the pit and it's like, okay, dude, 
let's see it make money that is like that's that that makes all that other shit pale in comparison when it comes so to is stress there, is there a certain higher level of satisfaction when you were trading on the floor back then that you can't really get with you know trading the way traders trade now electronically or you know uh, by yourself yeah there there was you know there was like that that you know there was the fact that i was standing in the middle of a pit of a hundred guys and we were all like exchanging, you know, body blows to each other and fucking with each other. And when you were right on a trade, you got to get in the guy's face that like, so, you know, took the other side to it and bust his balls and fuck with them. And, you know, there was that, there's like all of that, but you know, like in reality, like I see a lot of that on Twitter. Now I see like, I feel like Twitter is almost like the pit, of, of the world, you know, in these markets, because you see these guys just like, you know, difference of opinion, slamming each other, you know, wha- you know, like that's the way the pits were. And it was, it was, it was actually great, you know, like, you know, not, not only did you have to be a competitive person to make it in the pit, you know, period, but you know, you like, you have to be a competitive person to make it in the markets and you want to be that guy. You, you know, you want to be the guy that talks shit. You want to be the guy that like, you know, looks at the asshole that just, you know, hit your market and told you you're a fucking asshole. You're a moron. And, and, and then you were right. You know what I mean? Like, that's like, that's one of the most wonderful feelings of trading other than the money. I mean, the money's great too, but you know, like I, I like being right too. When I interviewed um, Chris Caddy a couple of episodes back, and I feel like some people are going to hear his episode and then they're going to hear this episode and be like, these are two very different um, points of view. Mm-hmm. Chris almost made it sound like the pit was almost like a gentleman's affair kind of thing. Like um, he spoke of professional courtesy and that type of thing. <laughs> I don't hear any of that from you. Oh, no. The Euro dollar options pit, was that – possibly a more aggressive pit than some of the Fuck others yeah. that were around. Fuck. The Euro dollar options pit, like I traded from 94 to 04 in there. That pit was the baddest ass pit on the planet. It had the it had hands down the greatest traders and guys that would like take down banks that were sitting in there. You know, like it was it was incredible. Plus the time of trading from 94 to 04, you know, and rates and it was it was like the golden age of like, you know, the Fed and, you know, before any of this QE or any of that bullshit happened. But with all these personalities that were in that pit, they were so fucking good and these guys were making so much money. I mean, think about it. There was probably 40 guys in that pit that were making like 10 million bucks a year. You know, those are strong personalities. It's no one's backing down to anyone. You know, no one is like, and no one is, there's no mercy. So like you're a new trader in that pit. You walk in there, they're immediately bludgeoning you, you know? So it was, it, there, this was not a gentleman's game. I've been to, I, I, I've, I, I know what you're talking about. Like I, I remember being on the New York stock exchange. I, there, there's different, there's different exchange floors that have like different rules, but like this, this was, you know, the year that was not the case on the Chicago floor. The, the, this was, I mean, you could get your ass kicked. you like, if you talk, <laughs> you know, you talk to the wrong person, you're getting punched in the face, you know? And that's like, I remember having to wear sneakers or gym shoes, whatever, one day. And my wife's like, wait, why are you wearing gym shoes? Those, you look like a fucking idiot in those pants. 
I'm like, oh, because I think like I think this guy's gonna attack me like on the open. <laughs> like I'm gonna make a mark and he's gonna immediately fight me. She's like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> She's like, that's so fucked up that you have to deal with that at work. But you know what? I I actually liked it. I you know what I mean? I liked the fact that I was gonna go in there and maybe have a get into a fist fight. Like uh, that's you know you have to have that type of personality. Yeah, it sounds like you're a great match for the floor. Um, and you make it sound like it was just complete anarchy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I loved it. And you know what? You know what's funny? It's like people are like, I used to, the, the floor was great because like they would send guys, in, especially into the Euro dollar option pit. There was so much money going in there and it was such a, um, the market was a difficult market to trade. You know, you had, you had like, major players in there. Like, like we've spoken about, you know, Don Wilson was in there. You, you know, you had like, it was, it was a difficult place to trade and people used to like, like personally, like I grew up with an Italian mother from Newark and an Irish father from Boston who was like a FBI agent. Like my home life was an absolute fucking like chaos the entire time. They were screaming at each other. He was drinking, you know what I mean? Like, when I got to the pit, it wasn't really that much different for me. And I, and, and, and like, they would, they would be sending in these guys from like the national honor society that like graduated from MIT that we, you know, and they'd be standing next to me and you know, the brokers would be screaming at him. You fucking moron. That was, you know, that market sucked. You fuck, you know, like what the fuck are you, you know, and these guys would just stand there like, and I, and I could see them melting because they had never heard that type of language before, you know, but me, that was con- like that. <laughs> I was like, all right, man, this seems like home, you know, whatever. You mentioned, um, you mentioned trading with, uh, or trading on the same floor with Margie Teller, you know, one of the very few dominant female floor traders at the time. How How is yeah. it trading on the same floor with her? Well, you know what? Like, it, I actually, um, we went a step further. Like, after the floor, Margie and I, like, um, we tried to start a, a hedge fund together. Um, and it, and it, we, and it, you know, we, 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 we got a little bit into it, but there was uh, a lot of people involved and a lot of conflicting personalities. So it never really, it never really got to where I, I would have loved it to get to. But I got to hang out with Margie in, in a really intimate way. You know, like you know, I got to hang out at her, her at her crib. You know, and exchange war stories with her, and you know, drink in her kitchen, and just like, you know, she's such a cool lady, and she's so fucking intense. And like, the entire time I was in her presence, I was extremely intimidated, but just because, like, just her eyes and the way she talks, like, you, she's just, you know, she's just a different human being. Plus, I know how fucking smart she is, and I know the combination. Like, when she, when she was telling me like different, you know, I would ask her questions, um, you know, like what was the biggest shit show you ever got involved in? You know, what was the worst position? How did you get out of it type of stuff? And she would describe these positions that she was in and, and how she got out. And I, it was just like, like I, you know, her, she, not only was she like a mathematical genius and not only could she see the entire board in, in ways that no one could see it. She, you know, she could see it like, like an algo she like her brain is an algo you know um but she also had like like it there you know that she had that like intestinal fortitude to execute and execute for size like she would you know and she 
one of the things that like I I, I remember getting from her um, because you you always get these like from older people like hey you know don't you know the trend is your friend uh, don't fade this and that you know and I would I I remember asking her like what's your favorite trade like what, what what's your like wheelhouse trade when you see it you just fucking hammer it like thousands of times and she was like oh I love like fading I love fading like big moves like big spikes you know, either up or down, like, and I'm like, really? Like, I've always been told, like, never fade. Don't do that. You know, trend is your friend. Like, stay out of the market. You know, you see that shit, whatever. And she's like, fuck that. That's where you make your money. She's like, I will. She's like, what? think about it. I can come in on the bottom of that spike and buy the fuck out of everything and, and, and have literally a thousand guys caught and then do my work for me. You know, she's like, and all I have to do is have the balls and and the size and and the knowledge to, you know, hit it where I want to hit it. And it's like, you know, when she said that to me, I was like, wow, you know, like, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these like trading, you know, measures. I don't, yeah, that we hear, you know, like, yeah, they, they don't. You know, it doesn't apply for everyone. It doesn't, you know, like you can't just, you know, like I get it. The trend is your friend and don't, ever, you know, fading, you get fucked. Or, you know, I I also know another guy that I worked with who was fantastically wealthy, dragged 40 million out of the year dollar pit that loved to um, average. Not only did he love to average, he loved to martingale. This fucking lunatic would like, <laughs> he would just keep going, going and going and going and going in. And at the end, he would just like drop a bomb at, you know what I mean? Like he would get bigger as he fucking averaged in. And it worked for him. And like, he was like, well, you know, there's, you know, you just got to have deep pockets. And there comes a point where, you know, there, where, where people will break and this and that. And like, so there's, there's no, like all these rules, you know, if anything, my experience has told me, you know, has taught me that, you know, it, they're, they're flexible at best. Tessa asked you about Margie Teller there. Was she in the Euro dollar options pit with you? No, she was in the, um, she was in the back months. She was like all the way across the pit. She was, she, she traded like rates from like basically two years out. Well, she probably traded the whole curve, but whatever. But she traded heavily from rates like two years out to like five years out. That like that like red, green, blue, purple part of the euro dollar curve, um, which is extremely difficult to trade, um, especially she was just buried in this deep pit with no computers and you know, all she could look up at is a pricing board and just work the orders that are around her, you know, and, and yet still, you know, be 50,000 up. And I mean, she's, she's special. Yeah. You also mentioned uh, Don Wilson. Don is someone who I've made several attempts to bring on the podcast. He's just, that would just be fantastic if I could get him on. But what was it like to be trading uh, in the same pit as Don Wilson? during the nineties there when, um, you know, DRW yeah. was nothing like what it's become nowadays yeah, when it was or like, the early days. It was like, yeah. It was like 12 guys. I, I literally like it was 12 guys. Um, and it was great cause, um, 
you know, in the beginning, when I first went into the pit, he wasn't there right away. He was in uh, London developing like a London office. And so I was like, we're, you know, when I went in the pit, for, I traded for a year without him in that pit. And I was under the impression that like you just lost your shit anytime anything went against you because my boss behaved that way. And a lot of people behave that way in the pit, you know. And then like Wilson came in the pit and started and I and I. I, I moved my spot to like right over next to him just by chance someone left our group and I got this spot and I was standing next to him. So he comes in and I, I, I just know him as like, at that point, he's just like this dude that, um, that like got down there super young. Like the guy graduated college at like, I don't know, 19 or whatever, and was trading, you know, he was on the floor at like 20, you know, and I, th that's all I knew about this guy. So, I, you know, but, but, but the first thing I, I saw from him is that like, no matter, like he, a, he was trading huge and B, he was unshakable. Like he was, he would never lose his shit. He, like even like when shit was going against him and like, he was just like, completely under control. And I was like, wow, I'm doing this wrong. Like I, you know, like I'm, you know, my, my mentor is a fucking moron. Look at this guy. This guy's fucking, this is the way to do it. You know? So I started like learning from him incrementally like that, just to like, you know, like just the way he behaved under pressure. Um, but then I, then I got, I grew close to him and obviously, you know, you're standing shoulder to shoulder for, you know, five years, you, you just, you start talking and, um, and, and then, and, and, and we, and, and we forged this, uh, a pretty solid friendship, um, as much as a, a friendship as a guy like that can have, because like, he is a unique individual, you know, he is so fucking smart. He's hard to talk to. He's socially retarded. He's like, I mean, he's got all like, you know, even when he was like, telling me he's, you know, I'm getting married, I'm having kids and everything. And I'm like, I, you know, I, you know, God bless your wife, but like, you know, the guy works like 24 seven, he's never home. He, you know what I mean? Like he, he's a driven individual. He's one of those beasts that like, I knew he was going to be a fucking billionaire when the guy was like in his twenties and he, you know, had five guys working for him. We all knew it. You know, he, he was just like, he had that intangible quality and he was like, I mean, just the way the guy he's there's there's like three people that I know that can work a pricing board um, and just put com well up uh, four people, I would say that could work a pricing board and put combinations together that like and, and, and you just can't beat them in any in any fashion. Um, and that would be like Don Wilson, uh, Margie Teller um, and um Who's the uh, who's the guy from the net net gas? Um, Arnold. What's his name? John Arnold. Do you know John Arnold? No, that Arnold? doesn't ring a bell. No, he he's 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 a guy. Like after I after I traded for ten years in that pit, I went over. I, I switched over in New York and and went and traded uh, natural gas. And he and, and watching John Arnold trade the board in natural gas was like a freak of nature too. Like just mathematical geniuses that could put together like puzzles that you know. I even to this day I don't know if like I know I know people have all programmed the computers and the spreads to do what they used to do mentally, but I still believe they could, they could beat those computers to markets just, just because they could synthesize information faster. Yeah. 
You've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. They started at the beginning, reimagining the bond screener with an intuitive design that helps you zero in on the exact kinds of bonds you're looking for. Then they made it easier to evaluate each investment opportunity with better data in the places you need it most. Finally, they made investing in bonds as straightforward as stocks or any other asset. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. Are you a developing or seasoned day trader who trades the U.S. markets? Is the only thing stopping you from getting to the next level is having enough capital to trade? Trade the Pool is a unique online stock trading prop firm that funds stock traders worldwide. Not having to risk your own capital can help you focus on other things like making better decisions on your trades. There's no PDT rules to worry about. You got more than 12,000 stocks and ETFs to trade, long or short, and professional tools at your side. How you get funded is you show them your skills through a straightforward evaluation process. Once you pass the evaluation, you get funded and trade with their pool of money and split the profits. Don't let the lack of buying power, capital, or fear of losing your own money prevent you from taking your trading to the next level. Visit tradethepool.com slash chat to learn more. Someone who wasn't um, such a genius, but who I've uh, heard you speak about on um, uh, the Market Huddle podcast with uh, Kevin Muir, is uh, a gentleman by the name of Chad, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. who I think you may have described as a pot-smoking degenerate. Yeah. But from the way you were talking about him, even though you did call him a pot-smoking degenerate, it sounded as though there was something which you actually quite admired about him. Who yeah. was Chad and, and what did you like about his, uh, his style, if you will? You know, like Chad or... I could say like the chads that I've met in, in my like trading career are just those like, you know, it's that, that, that guy, like a, first of all, you have to be smart. You have to know what you're doing. You have to, you know, you have to be a good trader. You have to, you know, every, all of that shit. I'm not just saying like, you know, just being a pot smoking degenerate is going to be helpful in your trading. No, you have to be like a fuck. You have to know your shit, but like the chads and the chad story was the you know the point of it was like i've met these dudes in trading that just they're just so fucking laid back and they're and they're so chill and they and they can sit there and they can watch the market and buy their time and wait for that one moment and then slam it for huge size drag their money out and walk away and it's like the the reason, you know, I think the reason I originally had like told the Chad story is like, like, it's not who you think it is. You know, Chad wasn't disciplined in his life. He, he was, you know, he played video games and smoked pot all day long, but he was disciplined in his trading. Like, um, so it's like, uh, it's such an, you know, it's such an interesting, you know, 
fact that like like a lot of these guys that I've seen that are so fucking good, they just, like they have that that quality where they they just don't sweat the small stuff, you know. And I think um, I think that's like you know one one of the since I you know I've I've seen so many really good traders it, like that's probably the greatest thing that my career I've ever like that's ever happened to me in my career is being able to be so close to so many good traders and really see how they do it and everything. And I, and I realize like, you know, they all, like if there's one quality that they all have in common is that they, they don't freak out. You know, they don't, they don't, they, they, they take it all in stride. They're all super even keeled. Um, and you know, they, um, they, they, like, you know, it's it, it's hard to put into words, but it's like, um, you know, they just they they're, they're unflappable, and and it and 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 it doesn't and and you don't have to be like macho, you know, like some macho asshole, and you don't have to be a man, and you don't have to be some weightlifting dude to be that. You know, it's it's a mental thing. It's not. You know, mm-hmm. and and a lot of people like confuse that. Um, but all these people that I'm talking about, like Chad, you know, Doogie, all these guys, you know, these guys were this was all this was all mental. But they could make they could make grown men that were on steroids cry, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which was great to see. You know what I mean? That's and and that was their difference. I'd love to flesh out some of the more chaotic moments. I mean, mm-hmm. all of your story so far has been uh, fairly chaotic, but I know there's been some specific events. Yeah. First of all, though, before we move off this, we've kind of been talking about some of the, some of your peers or some of the people you've been trading with over the years. Mm-hmm. Just a quick question. Is there anything that just jumps to the front of your mind when I ask you, about any of the bold or brazen kind of trading mantras or philosophies that you remember some of the old heads saying to you, you know, you said before a lot of the, the trading wisdoms that you, you hear, are, you know, they, they serve a purpose, but there's a lot of people who do the complete opposite and make huge amounts of money. Um, right. Are there any like kind of one liners or little quotes that you can recall from uh- you know, like what I, I know I tweeted this out. Um, so it's it's repetitive, but like the one, you know, like there were there were like there were tons of them in the pit from the older guys. And I and I try to like I tweet them out so I can remember them and I and I don't forget them, you know. But like that the one that like was so great that I remember was when I was I had like a finally jumped on the train. Um in the uh, natural gas during like Katrina. And it was really hard to get on that train, you know, like when the market's moving that fast, you know, the bid and offer's really wide and it's like, it's just so hard to get on, you know what I mean? Without ending up under the wheels. And I got on the train and then I like immediately offered like everything I had, you know, like 70 cents higher. And it was like, holy shit. Like, and the, and the old man next to me grabbed me and he was like, Hey, 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 he's like, listen, you know, if you're, if you're taking the train to California, you know, you don't get off in Chicago. All right. And, and like squeezed my arm and like, 
you know, it was like little, little sayings like that <laughs> where I was like, oh man, you know, like he's right. Like what the fuck? You know, it's so I like, I, I waited all day to get in this market. I, I'm on this train. It's going in one direction. Like, don't just, don't just trade your P and L. Don't be like, oh, that's enough money that yeah. That, oh, that would be a great win. You know what I mean? Like things like that. I, I, I get, and you know, I got to, I got to constantly hear about stuff, little things like that. You know what, you know, or I, I used to hear about most of my, the, the greatest stuff is over at the CQG, um, machines on the floor. Cause that's where all the old men would gather and they would all be looking at charts and all the young guys would, you know, be in the pit, like fighting each other and like screaming, you know, and all the old farts would be over at the CQG. Um, and that's where I would learn like all like the old stuff, the, the, the really good stuff. Okay. Yeah. I love that one. That's, uh, that's going to stick in my mind. I think the, uh, <laughs> the train quote there. So chaotic events or, or moments from your career. Yeah. I know when we caught up the other day, you mentioned something about you were in the pit when, uh, a guy by the name of Brian Hunter, I don't really know this story, but apparently yeah. he was huge. He blew up eight, $9 billion or something. You yeah. were there at the time. That's like part of the Forrest Gump uh, <laughs> <laughs> fable where I, you know what I mean? Like the Grim Reaper, wherever I go. Because I was like, you know, in the beginning, I blew out a couple of times in the Euro dollar option pit. I, you know, um, the second time I blew out was on the millennial fly, which is a whole weird story anyways. But, you know, and then I, and then I, and then I, you know, I did get finally migrate over to the natural gas and I went over there really to create just to trade Katrina at the time um, because you couldn't get to the physical contract unless you like were in the pit. Okay. Everything else was like financially settled. It was like ice and stuff like that contracts. And as soon as I get over there, I trade, you know, I trade Katrina, we trade it really well. We make a bunch of money. And next thing you know, you know, boom, the Brian Hunter uh, blow up happens. And um, I had like a first, you know, a first row seat for that. And I had, I had seen blowups before. Like I had even seen massive blowups. I had watched long-term capital blow up and, you know, but I have never seen like, like I knew it was one individual that was fucked because we, we all like, we all found out like immediately, like why, you know, like this guy was screwed. And then, and then like, and then the, uh, the sharks came in and that's when like guys like John Arnold came in and, I was, I was kind of standing between the broker for um, John Arnold and Brian Hunter, and they were they were like they were exchanging body shots, <laughs> where like in parts of the pricing curve where you didn't even think like anyone had positions on, like it was like completely illiquid parts of the curve, and they would like ask for like a calendar strip and, you know, and they, and the guy, and they would like, they would do 17,000 of them, like boom, 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 you know? Shit. And you're thinking to yourself like, holy fuck, 17,000 of those cal strips, like at this price, like if this guy just puked, that's a billion dollars worth, you know, like the, the, the money, the, <laughs> like the, the, I have, I have never seen a guy lose that amount of money so quickly. And another man, destroy him so brutally because John Arnold like like knew he was on the ropes and just like 
absolutely made this guy puke at the fucking worst prices. And ever, and his pukes were like scary. I was too afraid to even enter the market because the bid and ask for most of the market at when, when things were getting so crazy, you know, the bid and ask could blow you out. Yeah. You know, so it was like, I was literally, I was like, fuck this. I'm standing here. This is an incredible moment to watch, you know, one man take $8 billion from another man in a very short amount of time. And it was, it was, it was fucking, uh, you know, that. So was this Brian Hunt? Was he a floor trader? No, no. He was in like Calgary. He was trading for a, uh, a, a hedge fund okay. called Amaranth. And uh, he was in Calgary in like a remote office. And you know what's great is is he was fucking the the the, the real part of the story is like Brian Hunter was killing it. He had made like two billion dollars trading natural gas the year the year before he blew out. And this this hedge fund Amaranth, like he was so fucking good at trading natural gas and was making so much money. Amaranth, like you know, very quietly was like, here, just keep going, you know? Like, he was the best thing they had going, you know what I mean? Like, they were no longer a hedge fund. They were just, you know, $8 billion or $9 billion under management with one lunatic going fucking crazy in the natural gas and their numbers looking fantastic, you know? Um, until, well, until, it until he ran it. <laughs> right, right. What about the GFC uh, in 2008, was there anything mad that happened during that time outside of the, well, chaos that we know? You know, like the, the thing I remember about the GFC is like, A, it happened like, A, it happened late. Like I thought it was going to happen. I figured that would happen in 2005 with the way things were going, you know. Um, but if there's anything that I can draw about that, I was trading natural, I was trading natural gas and crude oil at the time and commuting into New York City. Um, from Southern Connecticut. And if there's anything that I could, I like, I draw from that moment is that, um, like the train going into the city was standing room only in like July of 08. And then in at, by the end of September of 08, the train was basically empty going into the city. Man. So like, the thing that I drew from it was like shit happen can happen. You know, shit can go South real quick, you know, like, um, and, and even like right now, when I look at the moment that we're in right now, like, yeah, it, it, you know, it's an extremely tenable situation. Um, and people are like, oh, we're not, in a, we're not, in a, you know, everything's, it's not that bad, you know, like, you know, look at employment, look at this. But I just know that like, yes, it, we could be fine. Everything could be cool. We could get a soft landing. But I just know, like, if 08 taught me anything, because I saw it, is, is how fucking fast you can go from being okay to being not okay. In yeah. This, you know, in this economy, in this world, and in these markets. You briefly mentioned that there's been a few times in your career where you've kind of blown up. And I don't mm -hmm. know to what extent that has been a true blow up, as in, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind for most people when you hear blow up is like you lose the lot. I don't know if that's been yeah. the case, but I know there's been several times through your career that you've taken huge hits. Yeah. Um, yeah. What were these points and what caused it to happen? Like, was it, you know, a factor of being too aggressive? Yeah. The first one, 
I blew out really kind of like near like that 97 um, Asian ruble shit show. It was just one too many body blows after another. And um, I was I was just short premium and I was a new trader and I um, I just thought like selling options was the greatest fucking thing in the world. Like I couldn't believe anyone why anyone would ever buy an option, you know, uh, and which was a, a great lesson learned, you know, um, like there, there's an art to everything. There's an art to selling options. There's an art to buying options. There's an art, you know, but I was that, that blow up was just pure ignorance, inexperience, stupidity, you know, um, making, making millions of dollars being short options for two years and then losing it all in a short amount of time, you know, and, and people say that stuff about like option sellers, you know, they, they make money every day, every week, every month, and then they lose it all. And, you know, and, and that's true. I, I got to experience that. So that, that was that my second blow up. Um, and, and, and my first blow ups were massive. You know what I mean? We're talking, you know, millions of dollars and me being young. So it was difficult. It was difficult psychologically and it was difficult because I was losing millions of dollars and having to speak to like grown men that were like 20 years older than me and explain to them why I was losing millions of dollars. Like it was just difficult. You know, I was 26 years old. I, I didn't know what I was doing. And it was, it was tough. The second blowout <laughs> again, which was, big money was, um, the millennial fly in 99, which that one was, I, you know, I, like if it was my fault, it was because I didn't react quick enough. Um, it, it, it happened in December. Can I just jump in there? What is the yeah. millennial fly? It, it was a, um, it, it's, you know, you can like any, like the listeners can Google it and kind of get a better idea about it. But well, like I'll try to flesh it out, like in, in the most simplistic way, it was, it was really like a, um, it was player. It was a play around rates around the millennial that w w people started getting nervous about a year out that like there was going to be all sorts of financial you know, chaos. Are you talking um, about the, the Y Y two K? The Y two K thing that right. the computers were going to cause this. Yes, and this was going to cause, and then and, and and all of a sudden, this like blew into the euro dollar curve as if this was going to cause like a disturbance in the rates. The Fed was going to have to like move on this. You know what I mean? Now, this was all just like complete conjecture. It was all bullshit and everything. It, you know. But the problem was, is like, I had these fucking massive positions going into December, which was stupid. You know, I like, that was another thing I learned off blowing out here, you know, shore it up. Don't have positions in December. Fucked up shit can happen. People aren't trading. There's, you know what I mean? There's less liquidity, you know? So all of a sudden, like this fly, this butterfly, which was in the red part of the euro dollar curve starts to like invert um in 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 like in a way that was historically like i was taught it was impossible and then vol in the euro dollar option pit started like stuff that had like further out i mean stuff that yeah the the the, the straddle from december of the millennial, you know, like when Y2K was going to happen, when everyone was worried, that thing started trading like above all its neighbors, even shit that had like further out um, time 
dated options. It was, it was like, it was stuff that like I was told was impossible. Like this was like, this didn't happen. This was mathematically impossible for this straddle to trade over that because this one has three months and there's, you know, there's time decay. There's a, but here we, you know, there I was, you know, blowing up right before Christmas, which was nice. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, what a way to end the year. Yeah. And you know, it was funny. I was like, I was, uh, I was just about to get married and I was this cocky prick too. And I was like looking, shopping for like new Range Rovers and I was making all this money and I fucking blew up so hard on this millennial fly. I was shopping for like Range Rovers and, and like talking to the guy about like being like a little bit miff that I couldn't get like the interior and the color I wanted to like, in January, I was like, like bu- looking for used Jeep Cherokees, you know, Dude. like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, but that's, it's that type of shit that's happened to me. I, it's, you know, and at the time it sucks, it's brutal, but it's made me better. It's, it's, it's made me bulletproof in the long run because, you know, like, I don't know about other people, but it feels like, I feel like I need to learn every lesson the hard way. So, and I have, um, and the market would, the market's more than willing to do that for you. Jimmy, the next few questions uh, I wanted to ask would probably lead us into your trading approach. When you were trading in the pit, you traded mostly big. Is it hard to trade smaller once you've traded big? How do you trade right now? Like, is there structure to your trading now or um, do some of the habits, some of the habits that you learned from trading on the floor, are, are they still carried with you today? Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that I, I learned in the pits, it's, it's like the big picture stuff um, that I that I still carry with me. When I left the pits, I, I went to a firm, an electronic trading firm uh, called International Trading Group in 2005. And what I learned there is, is 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 probably more applicable uh, to what I, how I trade now, um, just because it was you know like when I converted to electronic and stuff like that, like those little like minute nuances of all these little different markets electronically, that had to be like relearned. That was not pit stuff. That was I was you know I was like a babe in the woods mm-hmm. when I got out of the pit and 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 made that tra- transition. I was just as you know green as as the fucking next guy. Um, I did know, I did know like the main drivers of stuff. So I didn't have to like, I didn't have to think about the way to react to, uh, you know, the market when, when it was reacting to live, um, you know, whether it was an economic number or whatever, like I had that, that, the, that part of the pit always carried with me. I was very good, like at being able to react. Um, but but like the electronic side, like that's, that's difficult. I, I still like, I still think I'm a student of the electronic side. Like I never, I'm never going to feel completely comfortable. Like I always feel like I can learn more. I always feel like there's a little bit of something I can, I need to know. Yeah. Are you, are you trading alone mostly now or, um, with other people? I, tra- I trade alone now, um, financially. I'm on my own accounts. I trade with people, um, like-minded individuals that I like, you know, either have 
like guys I've been hanging out with for years, um, guys I met in New York, guys I met in Chicago, you know, so we share ideas and stuff like that. Um, and I share a lot of ideas on Twitter with like a lot of, I DM a lot of guys and, you know, like, like it, it you know, I love, you know, the, one of the, one of the greatest things about the pit was like, you know, I, I had a guy that was standing, you know, within, within, five feet of me, I had 15 guys. And one guy was like, always right. One guy was always wrong. One guy was always early. One guy was late. One guy was a pussy. One guy was too aggressive. So I got to watch like all these assholes and how they like reacted to the market and like be able to be like, okay, you know, the guy that's always early is doing this. The guys that, you know, so, and that like, that was, that was huge. That, 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 that helped me like make my decisions. Now, mm -hmm. the, I use Twitter that way now. And I use like, I use social media that way. I, you know, in the same respect, like I, I, I watch these guys and I study them, especially the guys that have like, you know, the guys that, you know, that are like slinging it, that, you know, there's, there's guys on Twitter that you, that are just full of shit and they're just fucking chumps. But then there's guys that, you know, that are working it. Um, and so I use a combination of, you know, peeps that I know that have skin in the game and, veterans that I've been trading with for years to talk this shit through, but I am alone. Right. And you mentioned a lot about, um, in, in your trading strategy today, uh, looking at the VIX curve and yeah. E-mini futures. I could be wrong, but personally, I think the vast majority of traders maybe don't really trade complex strategies and structures, um, especially beginner retail traders. But do you think that there are opportunities for smaller retail traders and investors to to play this volatility game? Or absolutely, you know, absolutely okay. for sure. And 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 you know what? Like they can and you, <laughs> you know the way I play it, they could play it. I I always break down. Like I usually start with really complex ideas and then I break them down to the most simplistic ways I can execute the trade, and and. You know, I'm always trying to simplify things. Um, so like, you know, like my VIX trade, the way I trade the VIX, you know, like my, my idea is like, you know, and this, and, and I'm sure, you know, whenever you talk about volatility products, you're always going to have like 50 people come in and tell you you're a fucking moron and you're looking at it wrong because everyone's a fucking genius that trades vol, you know, but you know, I, the way I, I look at the VIX is the VIX is kind of like the Colorado River, you know, like all the tributaries like, you know, flow into it. And, and you know, it's hard to hide, like, it's hard to hide vol in the VIX curve. You almost can't, you know, like you can hide, you can, you can push skews in, in one market in, in this way or that way. But like the VIX is just, it's, it's kind of like everything dumping into one thing. And that's why I love it because I feel like I'm seeing everything. I'm not seeing like one little, you know, like if I'm just watching like some little skew and some like EW option or whatever, like maybe that's just some fucking, you know, maybe that's just a one thing, you know, one off, but like I, you know, the VIX is not a one off thing. So the, but I've broken it down um, basically to trade the spreads and to just trade the shape of the actual curve or, or what they call the term structure a lot of the time and, and to trade it against ES levels. Um, and, and a lot of the times you can either be very active in it if you want, or you can just wait for extremes. Um, but either way, and, and you know what, like I, I've, I've taught a, a couple of guys how to do it. Um, 
when people ask, I, I, you know, I leave breadcrumbs about around the trade. The fact of the matter is, is I'm not a trade educator. It doesn't behoove me to like teach everybody my fucking trade. You know, what I, mean? I don't want, you know, like then, then, I, then it's a crowded trade, you know, like, um, I just, you know, like I, I, I'm trying to give a little bit of experience to people like show them, like lead them. Hey, this is where you look. This is where you, you know, this is what to, you know, put some breadcrumbs out there and then you do your own thing and you come to your own conclusions. And the fact of the matter is, is like, there's a lot of guys out there that are smart enough to ask me really smart questions on Twitter. And those are the guys that like I hook up with on DM because I know that they're really close to understanding and getting it. And then, you know, and then I'll, I'll work with those guys, but I just don't, I just don't have the time to like, you know, nor, nor do I care to, you know, teach everybody this trade. Yeah. And you're busy trading, right? <laughs> right. And I'm trading. That's the other thing, right. you know, like that's the most, that's the, that's the fucked up thing that you see on social media is like all these people are like constantly like, look at my trade, look at my trade, you know, look at how great my trade is. Like, yeah, like, you know, Hey, and you're like. All right, dude. So when does the subservice start? <laughs> you know, you're like, uh, you know, I'm not that guy. I don't give a shit. I'm not starting a subservice. I don't want to do one. I, I'm a fucking trader. And I always have been. So, you know, I'll disseminate my information the way I want to um, because I'm, I'm not looking to monetize it that way. Yeah. Um, really quickly, back to that volatility play. Um, I mean, I guess, is, is there a retail product do you know of that? Um, allows a trader to play the volatile without having to go into options or futures. Yeah. For example, because this, you know, with this options, trade, there's though, that. Yeah. Yeah. This trade, this trade, like when you're trading the VIX curve versus, you know, whether it's, you know, E-mini futures, yeah, that or EW options, this is, this is a little bit, no, nah, this isn't retail. Yeah. I mean, it is, you can, you can open an, an account with probably 50 grand and get these products and start like trading them. But this is, this is a little more advanced than that. The, the, the thing that I would say to retail is that you can, you don't even have to trade this. You can learn it and you can watch it and it can help you in your other trading. If you just want to be a futures trader, if you just want to like, if you just want, you know, maybe you have like, I don't know, a thousand bucks, 10,000 bucks in an account. And you're like this, just watching that VIX curve and learning how to learning those VIX spreads and learning the butterflies and how they react, that's going to help you in your, in, in your, your trading anyways, because they're coming there first. Mm -hmm. So if that doesn't, you know, like they always hit the, uh, the vol products first. So those are the tea leaves you want to be watching. Now, if you want to take it a step further and trade it, it's a little, you know, it's not, it's not an ETF. It's not a Charles Schwab account type thing. It's a little bit more intense, you know? Yeah, that's helpful. It's uh, not impossible though. It's, you know, you know, right. it's like an inter interactive brokers. There's, it's not impossible to do and you can do it small, but it's, it's more, in, it's more intense than an ETF. You know yeah. what I mean? There's nothing out there that really gra captures this like that. Something that you mentioned I heard in um, on another podcast, and I thought it was really something that I want to keep in mind. Um, stay, I'm going to quote you, you said, stay in the game when it's lame and be able to be there when it's killer. Um, tell us about 
you know, having the mental strength to, to stay in this game, how did you get it? And, and what's kept you in the game for so long for 30 plus years and how do you do it? Um, well, first of all, I love it. You know, you got to love it. And, 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 and I mean, you don't have to, it's, you know, it's a, it's a fucking nightmare <laughs> as well. You know, obviously training, you know, is, is a wide, wide range of emotions, but base case, you have to love it. And I love it. And I love, I just, I love figuring it out. You know, I love mm-hmm. figure, I love like, there's, there's always that consensus. And then there's that like second derivative thinking. And then there's that like third and fourth derivative thinking that we're like, you catch everyone off on the wrong side of the boat. And you, you know, like it's that type of like, uh, that just like, I, you know, I'm a competitive person. I love, I love playing that game every day. I love, like, I love being able to keep score. I love seeing, being able to see my score at the end of the day. Like, I just love it. It speaks to my brain. It's the challenge, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know? Um, and that's why there's like a lot, there was always a lot of athletes on the floor, you know, like, uh, these guys like to compete. They wanted to fucking win, you know? Like, um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm no different. Like I, yeah. I love that shit, you know, and so I need it. You, you know? love it, but, but you know what? We can love it, but it could be so stressful. So how do you balance trading and, and taking care of yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, right. spiritually? How do you do that? Well, you know, the, I, I, that was the, the other thing is like, you know, as, as much as mentors have taught me how to like trade or, or, you know, they've taught me how to like live too. Um, like my favorite guys, my favorite mentors have been like these guys that have like traded mind boggling size bigger than I've even traded. And they, and they're, and they're like, their entire life is just like silliness and, and like, um, uh, like gallows humor. And like, they, they just like, you know, and when I see, I see that I'm like, all right, I, I, you know, like that was the most wonderful thing to like, you know, like you don't have to be a stressed out asshole 24 seven because, you know, this is what you've chosen to do. Like, like when this shuts off, I'm as stupid uh, and as ridiculous as, you know, like I, I almost like my children say to me like that, you can, you, you almost can't be in most social situations. And it's, and it's true. I'm not, I'm not really an adult. Like they used to say on the floor that you would, you stopped progressing emotionally or, um, soon as you got on the floor and I got on the floor at 24 years old. So I'm like extremely mature, um, and, and goofy. And like, that's how I handle the stress. Like I need to, I, I need to laugh. I need to make fun of it. I can't like, I can't be the guy that's like, Oh, I, I'm, you know, this is stressful. I'm taking all this risk. Everyone shut the fuck up around me. I'm, you know, I, <laughs> I have this risk on, you know, like, like that's so fucking lame, you know? And I, and I've met dudes like, you know, like I work with this guy, Ken Alpart, who, who was like one of the greatest traders I've, I've ever been in the presence of. And, and he, like, he would do like, as he was taking, like, you know, he would be like hitting like thousand VIX spreads and, and then he would like tell like this goofy story about how his mother stunk up the bathroom, you know, at his place this weekend, you know, like, 
it was never there was never any consistency like and and i realized like holy shit that's how he's dealing with it that's how these you know what i mean he's dealing with like that that mind-numbing stress by like being funny and being silly like you can't you know and that's and and I I've adopted that. Like I, and you see me on Twitter. Like I try to be like, I try to, most of the times I'm saying something funny on Twitter. It's usually cause I have a position up my ass and I'm getting murdered and I'm just trying to bring some like, you know, I was waiting for yeah. you to say that you take off down the beach on a motorized bike. <laughs> I do that too. Actually a lot. I have one more question. Um, to those mm-hmm. who who are on the fence about going into trading these days, um, or maybe even a bit intimidated by it, what would you say? I would say trading is like is first of all, you've never had more tools um, at your disposal for free or extremely cheap. So, like, if you're if 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 the bug bites you, go into it. There's so much you can learn. You can do it. You can become a trader. You can make like you could you could open up a a small ninja trader account and trade a few micros a day here and there and make 50 bucks, 100 bucks a day or whatever. You know what I mean? Like there's so many different like ways you can do it now. Like back when I started, it was either it was all balls in or, or out. You know what I mean? You either had to like you had to like get a job at a you know, go through some brutal interviews and then you had to get your balls busted for 2 years while making no money you know like the the barrier to access markets now is so low i say go for it but don't like you're don't do it thinking you're going to be like oh this is uh, i'm going to trade the rest for my you know living i'm going to be able to live anywhere and all that bullshit like if you go into like you're going to fail okay you trading is a part-time job for for a new retail Mm -hmm. trader okay treat it like a a part-time job all right you you, it's it's there for you it's it's accessible it's possible i'm telling you it's possible but you better you better have another job you better have other you know um avenues um for revenue you know and, and, and and in reality like even me now today you know, at my age, like I need, I need other avenues of revenue, like to, to free me up mentally to trade, you know, like pressure. Yeah. You don't like, yeah. So I would say to the the new retail person, like, yes, you absolutely can do it. It's all there. There's so many learning products. It's, you know, there's so many pods, dudes talking about it. There's, you've never had this much information, but you know, it's difficult and, you have a much better shot if you don't, you know, put all your eggs in one basket and, 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 you know, can, you know, think about it as a career as opposed to, you can think of it as a career later on after you're doing well, you know, after you've, after you've had a couple solid years tinkering. Um, but in the beginning, you know, don't kid yourself. Don't, don't have a couple good, you know, two good months and start doing the math over the next 10 years and think you're fucking, you're all right. right. You know, everyone does that. And, yeah. and we all. <laughs> all right, let's wrap this show up. Uh, Jimmy, this has been right. truly epic, man. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. You are one hell of a storyteller. Um, and I cannot wait for your book to come out. Um, is there a ETA on when it might drop? Um, you know, I'm like right in the middle of, uh, talking to 
literary agents and everything. You know, I, I would love for it to drop so people could read it at Christmas, but I, I have no idea. But hey, listen, you know what, Aaron, Tessa, it was, it was awesome talking to you guys. Like, I could just, you know, like there's certain people that you talk to that, you know, trade and know the markets as opposed to people that are just you know, that like talk about the markets. And I, and, and it's just been a pleasure talking to you guys. Cause I, I can just tell that you guys, you guys are in it. Thank you very much for anyone listening who wants to find you on Twitter. Uh, can you please share your Twitter handle? Uh, Jimmy Jude 13, Jimmy Jude 13. Easy as that. Yes. Yeah. And I'm not selling anything to anybody. I'm just, out there talking shit and trying to make it maybe easier for some people. 100%. And we appreciate that, man. All right, Jimmy. Thank you. Enjoy your evening and we'll chat soon. You've reached the end of this episode of Chat with Traders, but rest assured there are more episodes loaded with real market insight and zero hype on the way soon. So to stay updated with each great new release, subscribe to the podcast and iTunes, and we'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. We'll catch you next time on Chat with Traders.